Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black, author of the 1100 Leadership Solution, How to Be the Leader You Would Want. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, dad to an amazing son, and all-around nice guy. At least I think so. I think we're as connected as society as we've ever been, yet we're more disconnected than ever. I want to change that. My purpose and passion is to help you learn to connect so you can be a better leader, a better parent, a better partner. Connected leadership, it matters. Remember to subscribe and thanks for listening. Okay, let's do this. Well, good evening. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black and uh, really excited for uh, this episode because it is going to be talking about a, a topic that is uh, near and dear to everyone's heart and that is fear. So specifically, we'll talk about the fact that fear, it's everywhere. It's present in our schools, it's in our workplaces, it's on our teams, it's most importantly in ourselves. And it poses a real leadership challenge specifically related to connected leadership where I'm a huge advocate of connecting and then leading. So we're going to talk about what fear is, some causes of fear, why dealing with it is so critical to leadership, and most importantly, some specific things we can do about that fear. So I'm Daryl Black, and I'm taking almost 30 years of my uh, experience responding to emergencies and disasters and helping you apply those lessons that I've learned to your personal and professional lives. And in terms of what this this episode is all about, it actually the impetus for it or the origin of it is, uh, is from many different places, but uh, specifically it came top of mind because a couple of weeks ago I was speaking at a conference, a search and rescue conference, and uh, in my session I spoke about kind of the, um, the emotional, the mindset of responders that go into dealing with situations that they're maybe not familiar with. So I talked about my experiences in the year 2000 in Pine Lake, which is um, in central Alberta, a tornado ripped through a, a trailer, um, not a trailer park, but a campground. Uh, and then I talked about Hurricane Katrina, where I had some experiences in Mississippi and Louisiana, and then Hurricane Rita in Texas and Louisiana, and more recently in northern Alberta, a little bit more in my neck of the woods with regard to the Fort Mac wildfire and a bunch of other kind of experiences in addition to over 400 search and rescue missions. So the whole point of my talk was about from a responder perspective, from an individual perspective, and from a leader's perspective, what kind of emotions are you going to feel um, when you are in positions of leadership or you're in positions that you're not familiar, or you're in situations that you're not familiar with. So I want to talk about that sort of thing and make it obviously a little bit more civilianized, a little bit more corporate, but a little bit later in the episode, I'll talk about a couple of those experiences that I had and, and how I, I dealt with them. So with regard to some announcements, really, really excited that as of, you know, today, October, 2019, uh, this month, extremely excited to be introducing a uh, leadership challenge, an online challenge, which will be free. That'll be coming out in, um, in a couple of weeks. 
and it is going to be around seven days to better leadership or seven days to be a better leader. And what will be involved there will be you'll sign up again, completely free, and uh, you'll receive an email a day for seven days in addition to having an opportunity to hop on into a Facebook group for the challenge and we'll interact quite a bit and ask questions and, and answer questions and I'll be going live within that Facebook group with some uh, with some additional training and the training is very very specific it's very very tactical so it's not like seven days of Daryl on a soapbox kind of thing it's seven days of tangible tactical rubber meets the road kind of uh, kind of information and knowledge that you can apply uh, starting you know, pretty much as soon as you uh, as soon as you you view that particular lesson or read that PDF or whatever it is so I'm really really excited about that so that's coming in the next couple weeks uh, I've got a whole bunch of things coming down the pipe with regard to uh, other work working on a virtual summit which will have a handful of, of leaders from all over the world. Um, and this is more for exigent, so my emergency services kind of uh, business side for sure. But uh, a lot of those lessons, obviously, that are, are occurring in large-scale wildfires and, and, you know, Boston Marathon bombings and 9-11 and UK chemical attacks and all of that stuff. Those are all people I'll be talking to. Um, those lessons can be directly related uh, to any environment for that matter because at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings no matter what the context. If it's a corporate context, great. If it's a fireground context, fantastic. Ultimately, though, the human element, the human factor is the one thing that is constant and consistent throughout all of those environments. And not coincidentally, fear is running throughout that, that spectrum or that gamut of context that I talked about. So a, a quick review, just remember leadership as we define it, social influence, which maximizes the effort of others to achieve a goal. Last episode, we talked about mission, not about mission statements or any of that other stuff, but really what is the purpose? What is the mission of your team? And that team could be at the upper echelons, kind of the C-suite. Maybe it's the leadership team of a big organization, or as a colleague of mine, James Papineau, pointed out right, rightfully, um, it can be just at any level of an organization and quote unquote middle management. That's where leadership actually exists too. So no matter where you're at in all of that, you need to know what is, what is the purpose? What is the mission of your team? And if you can figure that out, then it removes a lot of the bullshit drama that can be associated with why are we here and, and not having a good clear direction. Giving, having a mission also gives you the sense of um, right or wrong or a compass in the absence of clear direction. So if you have maybe some different, you don't have a clear policy or standard or something like that, you can go back to, well, what are we trying to achieve here? What are we doing? And that will give you the, the, uh, the answer you seek. Uh, it also gives you a sense of, um, you know, in, in terms of values and standards of behavior it gives you some of that as well so that you can make a decision based on that not only just in the absence of policies and procedures but 
you know, in, in terms of culture, what, what does, you know, our mission, what is it? Well, part of it is also how do we interact with each other? How do we treat each other? How do we lead? How do we communicate? All of those types of things. And then you become a lot more coherent or sorry, cohesive with regard to the team. And the analogy I used last episode was rowing. Um, how exciting would that be if you had four people in a canoe uh, or some sort of a, you know, some sort of a something you got to row? I'm escaping me the whole Olympics thing. Skull, I suppose. Oh, man, I got to watch more TV, I think. But just think if you had four people on that boat all paddling in different directions. You would go absolutely nowhere fast. Everyone would be freaking exhausted and uh, very, very frustrated. So we are trying to get everybody through, you know, kind of on the same page, rowing at the same tempo and, and in the same direction. That's what mission gives you ultimately. So that's a quick review of, of uh, last episode. And please, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do that. Now, ultimately, we're looking for connected leaders and that is where my message lies from from my heart to yours we are ultimately trying to get more connected i really think that we're we're pretty disconnected in this world and you know even though we have you know we're as connected technically as we've uh, we've ever been um certainly we're as disconnected as well as human beings and I, and i think leadership leaders have a pivotal role in bringing people together and and building teams creating less loneliness in in the family in the workplace and, and those sorts of environments so a connected leader is is a self-aware leader it's a leader that facilitates and doesn't dictate one who leads through respect and not fear connected leader leads with inspiration and not exasperation they're vulnerable they're empathetic they're compassionate and that includes compassion towards themselves and they're calm and they expect the same of those around them. In summary, it's a connected leader is one who connects first and then leads. And one of those components, one of those elements I talked about with connected leadership is being calm. And that is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. So I talked a little bit about where did this episode come from and you know, it was through my discussion with my fellow responders with regard to some of the emotions I feel and have felt when I go into a situation that I haven't faced with faced before, which is most of them, frankly. Um, and so in talking about that, it's it's an emotional topic because when you introduce the topic or the concept of fear, it automatically creates constriction or restriction amongst people. A lot, not a lot of people like to, to talk about it. It also is something, you know, from a man perspective, you know, masculine, we're not supposed to be scared, right? We don't feel fear and any of that other bullshit. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, again, from my heart to yours, um, there's a lot of fear that goes into leadership and uh, just being around in society. We're just inherently fearful as a society and as individuals. Now, I'm not talking about the fear that's physical, right? Let's be very, very clear. Um, yes, some environments are physically dangerous. When you talk about emergency services, absolutely, that office can kill you. But when we're talking about fear in this context, we're talking about fear relative to the psychological um, component uh, to, to fear and its impact on our personality and our behaviors and our interactions and, and, and all of those things. 
Now, I, I saw it at work, like crystal clear, even as recently as last night. So we are, you know, we're in a, I, I coach hockey seventh year now, and you talk about leadership challenge. So my son, he's 12, just turned 12. And so he's in Peewee. And um, so last night I asked him to what we call break it down, which is basically one, two, three, and then yell the team name and and you know a little bit of a, a team bonding thing well it was really interesting because the look of terror on his face like you can't fake that he was like overtly uncomfortable with it and he is amongst a team now key points one of which is it was a new team for him so you know he was he was inherently uncomfortable and 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 fearful essentially and fear shows up in many different ways it's not just our stereotypical kind of like uh you know home alone face or you know like screaming in terror in fact fear shows up in so many other ways that it's really it's disguised it's disguised by discomfort it's disguised by resistance, which is a really, really, really big indicator. If there's a resistance behavior, somebody's not doing something or changing, there will be a fear associated with it. Fear can also manifest itself as like uh, aggression as well. Like if anyone, you know, the whole cliche around never corner an animal because they're terribly afraid, which means they're going to be going on the offensive. So fear is... It, it, it shows up in a lot of different ways. So last night, fear showed up for my son as a look of discomfort. Face went red. And his breakdown was as quiet as could be. One, two, three, gladiators. Which is the exact opposite of what we were hoping to achieve. But anyways, it is absolutely everywhere. Now, the teams I belong to, I talked about emergency response. We do some, some pretty... Uh, pretty crazy stuff i guess you know uh, uh when we go into disaster areas and 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 all of those things and, and the sense of overwhelm now we wouldn't label it as fear at least i'll speak for myself i am rarely fearful you know i i'm, I'm rarely afraid of doing something physically and the reason for that is we have proper PPE and we've got a lot of training and, and we try to control our environment as much as possible. So I'm not afraid per se, but my fear shows up in different ways. My fear shows up potentially in trepidation, so hesitation. It shows up in sometimes being a little bit more risk averse. It shows up in having signs of stress, which we'll talk a lot about. But I can tell you that it's such an interesting dichotomy in those environments, and, and you can take this right into your corporate environment or your personal life as well, where you would think going into places where you've never been, uh, with no infrastructure, a disaster has just occurred, there may not be any running water or power, or maybe there's a huge wildfire, or maybe there's chemical releases, or any of those types of things, you think on the surface that that is like a pretty scary place to be. But I'm here to tell you, it's actually not as fearful or it's not as, as crazy as you would think on the surface. And one of the reasons for that is because we do so many things as leaders and as a team that help 
deal with that fear even before it hits and, and we'll be talking about those types of things but it's always amazing to me when I kind of detach myself and look around and how calm my teammates are when all hell is absolutely breaking loose and we've had many comments and I've had many comments and and it's something I've seen in a lot of people not just on on emergency response teams but in corporate environments and project management where the worse it gets, the more dialed in people get. And that is a very real thing. And that is a very oftentimes effective way of dealing with your fear, provided that you're not totally detached. But we'll talk about that. So what is fear? I've heard somebody say it was, uh, you know, there's a bunch of acronym or, the, you know, they kind of make it into an acronym like uh, false emotions appearing real, I think is, is one that I've seen pretty recently. Yeah, fear, false emotions appearing real. So I'm here to call bullshit on that one a little bit. And the reason for that is fear is actually real. It's real. It's a physical manifestation. It is a physical reaction. There are things that happen physically and neurologically in the brain, physically in the body that represents fear. So for us to say that it's kind of imagined is not necessarily the case. Now, what causes it is most of the time psychological and we'll talk about that but fear is real people feel have fearful feelings so that's the first thing to, to think about where to say you know ah you're not scared well they are they actually are so don't dismiss that as a leader don't dismiss that hey you're not really scared or suck it up buttercup or suck it up princess something like that that is not the proper way to deal with fear, both maybe in yourself, and we'll, we'll talk about that. There's a couple things you can do for yourself, but also with your team. And it's not a, it's not a decision, like it, it's subconscious. That's one of the big challenges with fear is, I, don't, I didn't wake up or I didn't go into a situation and say, you know what, I didn't go to uh, Hurricane Katrina and I'm in uh, just north of Gulfport, Mississippi. I didn't go there and wake up in the morning and say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be scared shitless today. Yeah, that's what I'm going to try to do. No, that's not how fear works. It is a subconscious thing. It's already working. Your subconscious is already working before this whole, you know, cognitive thing kicks in and says, man, I'm really freaked out about this. Subconscious, that train has already left the station. So recognize that it is what it is. It is a physical thing manifested by a bunch of chemical and reactions in your, in your body, which cause neurological changes and physical changes, but it's also at the subconscious level. And therein lies one of the biggest challenges as far as why you can't say to somebody why, um, uh, who's afraid of flying. You know what? The statistics say that you are probably more likely to be killed driving to this airport by a drunk driver than you ever will be uh, dying in a uh, in a plane crash. And that has worked roughly never, never. And the reason for that is because you're talking to them cognitively. You're throwing data at them. That's not where they are. They're in the subconscious. So good luck with that. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's one of the biggest challenges when we're dealing with fear is 
it's in the subconscious and it, it's not a decision. Fear also comes from, because it's a subconscious thing, it comes from our caveman brain. I'll just take a sip of water here, sorry. And our caveman brain or our lizard brain is, <coughs> it's built to protect us. It is the oldest part of our brain and it's responsible for the autonomic system. Keeping our heart going, our blood pumping, our chemicals going, our all of the things that keep us alive day to day, minute by minute, second by second. That is its job. And it's not terribly sophisticated, but what it does, it does it really, really well. The problem, though, is it does it so well that it's not very flexible. And anything that's outside of its realm of the mission, it doesn't react very, very well. And unfortunately, that's also where our habits live, is in that reptilian part of our brain. But we'll talk a lot more about breaking habits. But its main job is to house the vital functions that go into life and protect us. Which means it doesn't like change. It doesn't like the unknown. And the reason for that is because unpredictability represents danger. If you think back to, let's say, the caveman days, cave woman days, cave person days, the last thing I wanted was my caveman ancestor to, you know, they're walking to the cave pool. All right. They're going to the, going to the cave pool. And because uh, ancestor, he's taking the day off from hunting, which is probably a bad idea. But anyways, who am I to say he needs a day off too? So as they're walking, they uh, with the cave kids and the cave wife, great, great family. Uh, and they hear a noise in the bush. Well, the caveman, the last thing the caveman wanted to do or should have done is, hey, kids, Go check that out. That's really, really interesting. Go see what's in that bush. And maybe, if you're lucky, you'll get to play with it. Whatever it is. Well, obviously, that was a threat. That was probably a saber-toothed tiger. That was something that would eat the kids. That would be something that would attack them. It'd be, you name it. So the unknown represents fear. Or fear is as a result of the unknown. So... The reptilian part of the brain is all about predictability. It's about consistency. It's about habits. It's about protection. And as I said earlier, fear shows up in different ways. That's the big problem. So with our reptilian brain holding on to this fear, because it's responsible for divvying the fear up, it takes it in and then it does something about it. The problem, though, is the fact that ultimately, though, it... Uh, it's not well equipped to handle different changes. And so, and it's not well equipped to, uh, to manifest itself. So it shows up in discomfort, as I said. So if you've ever tried to get somebody to do something, like uh, uh, somebody that's very entrenched in their job description, okay? You have uh, an administrative role, let's say, which is often characterized by strong rules. And you ask them to deviate from that. You may as well be threatening, threatening them with a knife sometimes because that to them represents the unknown. It represents unpredictability and that in turn now fires up that fearful response. 
Resistance behaviors are from fear. They're not from somebody intentionally saying, I'm going to be obtuse. So as a leader, man, oh man, it's so hard to figure out in some ways, and yet really it's not. Now, a concept that I'll talk about is called irrational fear, and that's really what we're, what we're, we're driving at here. So if I was to show a picture of a spider, let's say. So let's say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here and I have a picture of a spider and I show it to you. Here's the interesting thing. An irrational fear is what we call a fear in the absence of a physical threat. Okay? So what will happen with that spider is it will invoke a physical reaction if somebody has a fear of spiders, even though it's not real. Even though I could hit the paper, just the mere picture of it is enough to invoke a fear response in people that have a phobia for spiders. That is the power of the reptilian brain protecting us. That is the power of what fear can do and what it does do. And we have to be aware of that because if there's resistance behaviors, if there's something that's stopping somebody from doing something, including yourself or myself, look for the fear. Somewhere along that thread, there will be fear. And chances are even more that it's an irrational fear and it's a fear based on social aspects or elements. So the fear of not belonging, the fear of not being enough, right? Man, oh man, we will spend a ton of time on that one. All sorts of those kinds of fears, fears that you're not being trusted. As I said, we can go on and on and on about that, but that's really what we're talking about with leadership is the irrational fears. Like really, if somebody were was to change a policy or procedure that doesn't impact their job, like it's not like they're going to get fired for it or something, and it invokes fear. Isn't that crazy? No, it's not really. It kind of sounds crazy, but it's not because it's human behavior. It's human nature, and it's normal. That's a crazy thing. So why does it really matter ultimately, this whole fear thing? Well, Short term, it causes a lot of stress in our people and ourselves. And we'll continue to talk a lot about stress uh, over the you know, many, many different episodes. But when your workforce or your team or you are working under stress, it actually chemically alters how you think. It chemically alters your physio uh, physio physiology, easy for me to say. It's causing pits in people's stomach. It causes them to be risk averse, which means they're not going to innovate. They're not going to be creative. They are not going to speak up in meetings. They are not going to give a dissenting opinion. They are just going to have blinders on. Their head is going to be down and they'll be trying to stay in the left and the right and not get in trouble and just be safe. Because remember, fear, right? Fear. When somebody is fearful, they're feeling fear, they are not going to stretch out. They're not going to expand. They're in a state of constriction. And so if you are in that state of constriction, you're not thinking the same. You're not communicating the same. So we want to make sure that we alleviate as much fear as we can because it causes a lot of stress. It drives separation and not connection. Well, in this day and age, as I've been talking about all ad nauseum here, 
connecting and then leading. That is the key to leadership now. And if people are fearful, they're not going to be able to reach out and connect with anybody else. There'll be complete lack of cooperation. And really the underlying issue here is a lack of trust. And a team that doesn't have trust, a leader and a teammate that doesn't have trust does not have cohesion. It does not have teamwork. It does not have connection. Trust, trust, trust is so important, so important. But if everyone is fearful, you're not going to have it. Now, longer term, there's obviously a lot of health issues associated with fear and stress. And, you know, you can just go ahead and go to Wikipedia or anywhere on the interweb and, and find all sorts of articles on how fear is, is really causing um, problems in the workforce from a health perspective. There's definitely less satisfaction. And that goes just goes to... Goes, that makes a lot of sense. I don't want to go to a place at like, I don't want to go to my workplace feeling scared. I don't want to go to work with a pit in my stomach. Like, are you kidding me? Sign me out of that job and I'm going to go work somewhere else. There's just more negativity. It's not a positive work environment. If there is a culture of fear by the leader, if there's a lot of unpredictability and there's a lot of change and chaos, that will cause a lot of negativity. Low morale, really, just in general. So those are more of the longer term impacts and the effects. So what do you what do you do about it? We've talked a lot about the problems with fear. What is it? But this podcast is about action, about tangible kind of things that we can do. And we'll be exploring this in a lot more detail because I really think stress and fear is is it's an epidemic in our workplaces. And, and if you're looking at unhealthy workplaces, start with the fear factor. It's probably pretty high. In fact, I, I can almost promise you fear is high in workplaces and on teams that, uh, that aren't really performing well or they're unhealthy. So for me, uh, throughout you know my kind of emergency response career, for lack of a better word, um, Having faced a lot of different situations, I remember a tornado, Pine Lake tornado in 2000 that I've uh, already, I kind of alluded to earlier. And I get the phone call from the RCMP and um, an FYI, they, for those of you who are not Canadian, the RCMP do not all wear red surge all the time and they do not ride horses. You're welcome. Uh, so I get the call and I remember who it was and I remember the the voice saying, Hey Daryl, can you guys can you guys get rolling? It's effing bad. We figure like there's maybe a hundred people in the lake. And Pine Lake, the campground, was right on the edge of the lake, and they assumed or thought that a number of people have been blown into the lake, essentially. Alright, well, game on. So we muster the team up and we head down to Red Deer, which is a couple hours south of, of where I am. And long story short, we eventually gain access and I walk into the incident command post and because I'm representing our, our search and rescue team. And, um, you know, they give the briefing and, and, and those sorts of things. We have kind of what we're supposed to be doing. But I hadn't seen any of the, any of the disaster, like any of the, the damage yet. I had gone straight into the command post and the way it kind of works was the um, 
you know, the campground was down a, just a, a, a little hill and then the lake. And so you couldn't see down the hill um, from the command post area up here. Now I remember, so I'm like, okay, that's great. So then I figured, well, I should probably check this place out, right? So I walked out of the command post and I got to the top of the hill and and it it was it it took my breath away. It took my breath away. I was like stopped in my tracks because what happened there was I came across or came up to the crest of the hill and now there's the damage right where the tornado had hit and it went across the lake and then across the lake you could see the trees had been mowed down like almost like square like tree 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 and then like like just you could see exactly where where the uh where the the tornado went and i remember having an incredible sense of wow wow it looks like a war zone literally it looked like a war zone and so again, was that fear? Mm, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was certainly a very acute sense of being overwhelmed. I'll tell you that because you're talking about the senses. You've got people searching through uh, damaged areas. You've got some heavy equipment that was just starting to arrive on scene. You have helicopters landing and taking people away. You've got shouting. You got your radio going. You got a cell phone going. You got all of these things. And then visually, the assault in that you don't you can you're seeing it but you're you're not believing it there's a big disconnect over what you're seeing and connecting the dots with with you know processing it so that's that was my first real kind of acute foray into this sense of 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 fearfulness and it was a very similar throughout all of the the emergencies and disasters i've been to there are those kind of defining moments and uh in other podcasts i'll talk about some of the other experiences i've had but the technique that i will give to you and then we'll talk about how you deal with fear on your team but leadership and connected leadership starts with yourself first and foremost turn as many unknowns into knowns so remember, we talked about the reptilian brain and, and this, the fear of the unknown just automatically causes stress, causes fear, and fear can be showing up in different ways. Turn as many of those unknowns into knowns, recognizing that you can't, you can't know everything, but do your damnedest, even for your own self-awareness um, and self-preservation, try to figure out as much as you possibly can. Second is just recognize that you, you're having feelings of fear. And, and the feelings for me is breath, takes my breath away, causes constriction. And there's just, uh, you know, I, I use a little bit of profanity in my head. That's how I roll. I'm like, oh, whew, F, fire engine. And I know there that that's now I'm starting to have feelings of fear. And the heart rate will go up. So everything you're associating with stress, stress and fear um, are, are essentially, you know, different sides of the same coin. So just, but just recognize it, recognizing the constriction, recognizing the shortness of breath, recognizing the inward of OF. That's, that's cool. Just start there. And then what I do is I take a deep breath and it's a deep breath if I can. Take a deep breath, hold it for a little bit, and then I let it out. 
And then if I need to, I, I do another one. And guess what? This doesn't take five hours. It takes like 10 seconds. So first, turn as many unknowns into knowns as you can. Recognize that you're feeling fearful or you're having fears or feelings of fear. So maybe that's the constriction, that's the heart rate going up, that's your breathing, whatever that is. Take a deep breath, at least one, maybe two, maybe three. And what I do is I actually either think it to myself or I mumble it to myself. One step at a time. One step at a time. It doesn't matter if I'm going in and having a difficult conversation with somebody, if it's corporate, it doesn't matter if I'm going to figure out how we're going to find a hundred people that could be deceased. It doesn't matter if I'm going into a meeting that I don't know all of the people. The reaction is the same. The feelings of fear are the same. So as a result, the reaction that I'm going to have or my remedy for it will be the same. One step at a time. So that's you as the leader. If you take nothing else out of this entire episode, take those steps away. Now, part of leadership is alleviating the fear in others, right? And alleviating the fear in your team. So it's one thing to look after it for yourself, but it's quite another to look at it from the team's perspective. So recognize that they could be fearful. And it's not up to you to argue with them whether that they whether they should or should not be. The reality is, is they are feeling fear. So honor that. And also think to yourself that it's not a reflection on you necessarily. It's not a reflection on them. It's not some sort of character flaw. It's not some kind of weakness. It's not some sort of bullshit story that they're making. Well, it actually is. But that is not for you to judge necessarily. So make sure that you just know that they could be feeling fear and that's okay and that's in fact normal. So you need to be empathetic and that's one of the big things of being a connected leader. Hold space for that. Understand that they're feeling fear. Don't try to argue with them and convince them that they're not feeling fear or that they shouldn't be feeling fear because they are. And if you're arguing with them, that is not going to help. All right, so recognize that they could be feeling fear and they probably are, and that could be showing up in different ways. Be empathetic, hold space for them. Be a connected leader, be empathetic, support them. And recognize that a lot of things that cause us fear is what we call a locus of control. And we are inherently less fearful if we have some sort of control over a situation, locus of control. And that is, even if that control is minimal, that helps, that really, really helps. So maybe give them some, as much support as, as possible, give them some choices, give them some opportunities. Even if it's super simple stuff, you gotta start somewhere as the leader. Now, ultimately though, we also have to recognize that, you know what, everything we want is on the other side of fear. Fear is just inherent in what we do. So you also have to recognize that all of those things being said, ultimately it's about overcoming that fear. And the sense of fearlessness, there is no such thing as fearlessness. There just is not. When I see that on Facebook, I 
I, I, I ignore it, but I'll tell you, I just feel like writing, there's no such thing as being fearless. What there is though, is courage, is courage. Courage is required to overcome the fear. Courage is required in leaders for you to step into that meeting that you're not maybe as prepared for or that job interview. Courageous is being vulnerable with your team and helping them. That's being courageous. It's feeling the fear, but doing it anyways. So your job as a leader is to make sure you get everything done for sure, but it's not going to get done at the expense of your folks. Keep that connection together, minimize the fear. You can't eliminate it, but minimize it as much as you can. Hold space for the team and the team members that are maybe feeling fear. Be empathetic, be supportive. Give them as much control as possible and even baby steps will help alleviate some of that fear or will build their courage. So a whole bunch of, we covered a, a wide range of things here around fear. You're, you may have to read or hear this one a couple times. So go ahead and rewind, even though you don't, well, I guess you can rewind once, but not like a ghetto blaster with a cassette. All right. So calls to action, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be fantastic. I get a lot of verbal feedback. I get a lot of messages. Um, but if you wouldn't mind just taking that one extra step and, and throwing that onto a review on Apple in particular. And just and watch out for the online challenge. It'll be up on our Facebook, my Facebook page here and on Instagram. But remember, don't just be a, a manager or just a leader, but be a connected leader. Influence through respect and not fear. Be self-aware facilitate and don't dictate be vulnerable and expect vulnerability back be empathetic and expect empathy back hold space for people be compassionate which includes self-compassion give yourself a break and be calm be calm and expect calmness from others so in summary a connected leader is one who connects and then leads so hopefully you enjoyed this, uh, this episode and we will see you next week.